Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I believe the Lord has a word for us today. Something that my wife and I, along with their team, have talked about, but I feel it very strong. The God is moving toward his church at an amazing rate of speed. We are believing because of the prophetic words that have been spoken over this house that something's getting ready to be birthed before the end of this year. So that means we're moving toward it very quickly. I've just filled this in my spirit uh, this morning and I want to read out of Ephesians chapter one. Team, you can go down, just give me the keys if you would please. Uh, while we kind of go through this text. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason I too have heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ which exists among you and your love for all the saints. Do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray the eyes of your heart or the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of glory of his inheritance in the saints? Verse 19 is really our key text for this morning. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These, what, what does he mean, these? This surpassing power. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. Whose feet? Jesus' feet. And gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, I would like to read part of that text out of the Passion Translation. So we will begin in verse 15, or excuse me, verse 19. And it says, I pray that you will continually experience. Watch this, church. This is important. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. 
This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realms. And now he is exalted as first above every realm, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. He alone is the leader and the source of everything needed in the church. Isn't that a message to the modern church? All we need is Jesus. Jesus is enough. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, now we, fresh start, are his body on the earth. And that which fills him who is being filled by it. Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray for revelation. We pray for understanding. We pray, Holy Spirit, you are the great preacher and the great teacher. And we say, come and speak to us, I pray today. In Jesus' name. And the church shouted. Amen. Give him one more shout and bless his name as you'll be seated in the house today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, our text that I read to you obviously is speaking about the power of God. I brought a few quotes to me that I thought were very powerful concerning the power of God. And one of them says this by A.W. Pink. He says, we cannot have a right conception of God unless we think of him as all powerful. He's saying you, you, can't, you can't have a correct concept of God unless you think he is all powerful and not only that he goes on to say not all powerful but as well all wise which means he has the power to do anything and the wisdom to know how to use his power another seminarian says God knows what needs to be done and has all power to get it done. I'm talking about the God we've been worshiping today. A.W. Pink goes on and he says this. He says, without power, his mercy is weak. His promises are empty. His threats are hollow. He said, God's power is like himself, infinite, eternal, Incomprehensible. Long word for a short preacher. Our text is one of the most power-filled verses in the Bible. It contains within it five Greek power words. You will find within it, the Greek word dunamis, which most of us are familiar with. We know that Jesus said, when you, you shall receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that power, that word there is dunamis. In the English, we know it means dynamic. It means dynamo. It means dynamite. It means strength, ability, power 
to perform miracles. I'm just telling you what the word means. It also means moral power and excellence of soul. Moral power means that it helps us live right. Helps us live in morality. Excellence of soul keeps our soul in check. This us. The second word we find in this text is exousia, which is authority. Jesus said, all power or exousia or authority are given to you in heaven and earth. It's speaking of, of jurisdiction, the power of government. It means to make judicial decisions. It means that the right to act in power. So for those that struggle with the truth of the church being the ecclesia, God's governing body in the earth, and you just need to understand just authority. He gave us his authority that we can rule in the earth. And then that we have jurisdiction and we have governmental power to release the decisions and the rulings and the purposes of heaven and the earth. The, the, the third word is energia or energia. It means energizing power. I'm just showing you, I'm just showing the fullness of God's power in this text for a reason. It is, it, it, it's an energizing power, an energizing work of power. Another, some say that it is energia that literally activates dunamis. So it is a literal energy that activates power, that releases power, that causes miracles to happen. Number four is, is, is the word kratos in the Greek, and it means dominion power. It means effective power. It means manifested power. It, it means to be given the ability to dominate until you complete your task. Kratos. It's when, it's when you feel like you're weak and you can make it that he, he is strong in our weakness and his Kratos is released within us, pushing us beyond defeat into dominion. It's a spiritual power. The, the last and the fifth word is iskus. And this word is similar to kratos, except it means prevailing power. It is that I can do power. It's an abiding, again, power to continue to endure to the end. It's when you feel like giving up, but you understand you haven't broken through yet. So you can't give up. And so this is when this issue power comes into play and it helps us overcome and it helps us to push back until we break through. It means you can count on God's sustaining power to come once again and to push you to the realm of prevailing, which means because of all this power that is available to us, we should never lose. We should never be defeated. We should never be overcome. We've just got to learn how to access. The surpassing greatness of his power. It was so powerful that God used the resurrection as the backdrop to display his power. 
You cannot expect for God to go all in with all the power that he has unless there is something that demands that power. So the greatest miracle was the miracle of resurrection and the ascension. God, in other words, Jesus had to die so God could get him up. He had to have something that looked totally hopeless, something that it was completely out of the realm of reason and possibility before he would release and display his all in power. So all of this power, he says. So Paul is praying. He's praying that the church would come to an understanding of this power, this surpassing great power. But the, 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 he didn't want them just to understand the power process and the power potential as much as he wanted them to understand all of this power, the same power, the surpassing power that reached in a dark tomb and yanked the dead Savior out of it. He wanted you to know, me to know, as Paul prays under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the church of Ephesus to know that all of this power is moving toward them. That's why I have come to announce today, here comes the power. Oh no, here comes the power. No, here comes the power. Not the level of power we're used to. Not the level of power we have seen demonstrated. But here comes the power. An unprecedented outpouring of the power of God like this people planet has never known before. Here comes the power. Not just the power. Not just the great power, but the surpassing great power. What, what, what does that even mean? It means the level of power that was displayed through the resurrection and now is moving toward the church surpasses everything. It is ultimate power. There's a huge gap, even though it's hard for us to make the leap. There's a huge gap between great power and surpassing power. Surpassing great power means there is no contest. God and the devil are not competing. There's a misnomer that God got up off his throne and kicked the devil out of heaven. No, he didn't get up off his throne. He 
said, Michael, Michael, go take care of him. The devil ain't on the same level as our God. It's not even a contest. It's not even a battle. It's like a nuclear guided missile moving against arrows and spears. I'm trying to paint us a visual of the power of God that is moving toward his church right now. Notice, notice with me, notice with me if you would please, that this power is moving. Power is moving toward us. Power moves. Power moves. And when power moves, any kind of natural power, spiritual power. When power moves, it forces movement. When greater power meets lesser power, Lesser power must move. And since our God is surpassing great power, is an ultimate power, is a non-contested power, wherever his power moves, what is not under subjection to Christ moves out of the way. Trying to paint us a picture of the power of the God we serve. So God proportions his power to the nature of the work. If you follow this through scripture, that concept, then you find that he cast out demons with a finger. He delivered Israel with a hand. And he saved them with a holy arm. And so here in our text, we find that he worked his power to raise Jesus from the dead and to seat him in heavenly places as the supreme rule of the universe. Just so you know, before I move on, this power is moving towards you. say literally I will say literally but before this power that is moving toward us is accessed there has to be someone who becomes the target I'd say it's moving literally, but it's got to have something of spiritual tangibility to move into. So according to our text, and according to the, the, the prayer that Paul is praying, is there has to be someone in the earth that understands and that has revelation. So he's praying that the church would have revelation. 
the church would have understanding. Because we're going to only attract as much of his power that we have a revelation of and an understanding of. Yes? So power moves, forces movement, and this power that is moving is moving, according to Paul, toward faith. See, God's focus is power on those who believe. He doesn't randomly move toward every church. His power doesn't move toward every Christian. It's moving toward those who understand his power, those that understand his power and understand how to stay in faith until they see his power. So he's directing this power, not some of it, not part of it. Paul said this surpassing great power is being directed and it's being directed toward faith and expectation. How many of you came in this room this morning expecting to experience this surpassing great power? Don't patronize me. Don't really, don't really act like you did, but maybe you didn't. Maybe, maybe most of you are telling the truth. Maybe we really didn't walk in here expecting it, but I hope to God we walk out expecting it. I hope to God we change our posture and our position that, oh, it would be great if God would move instead of walking in with faith, believing and expecting that we're going to experience all of God's power. So, so according to Jesus, according to Jesus, in Mark chapter 16, begin reading in verse 14. It said, later on, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of hearts because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17, the highlight text, and these signs will follow those who, shout it at me, believe. In my name, they will cast out devils and they will speak in new tongues and they will take up serpents and drink any deadly thing, and not drink any deadly thing. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not by no means hurt them. They will, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And down in verse 20, he goes on and says, that they, and Mark says, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying of signs. So according to Jesus, not Mark, According to Jesus, 
supernatural signs are supposed to follow us who believe. Is there any believers in the room? These signs then should be following us. I'm not going to deal with these signs today. There's something in there, but I haven't got it yet because I know there's more than just looking at those, five, those four or five things. There's something. Why would Jesus pick these things? There were many signs. There were many wonders that Jesus performed. There were many signs and many wonders that he could have put down there. But there's a reason he put those specific ones. Maybe uh, another time I'll show that. But what I want to focus on is, the, is this concept of us, of, of signs following the believer. The word signs here is, is, is simeon in the Greek. It means the signature and the seal of God. It, it, when, when applied to a document, it guarantees the authenticity and, 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 uh, of that document because it's got the signature on it, the signature of God on it. It's also, it also translates, translates out to mean a sign that marked key locations in a city. These signs shall follow them. The, the word sign there also means that it, it describes the official written notice that announced a verdict, announced a verdict of a court. You see, Jesus is wanting us to know and his disciples to know as he is sending them out, as he is sending them out to their assigned metrons. He's sending them out to the places of their, of their mandate and their mission. And he wants them to know that it is true what the gospel message sets forth and what has been sent from heaven. It has the signature of God on it. And where this gospel is preached and where this gospel is declared, then when this happens, it's gonna, those that hear it are going to see a sign. And that sign is going to set them in the right direction for their life. Just, just let me work on this for a minute. For he said, these signs shall follow them. Shall follow them. This word follow here is very powerful because it literally later on, later on throughout the New Testament, it became a word that translated out to discipleship. These signs shall follow them. He's saying that these signs shall, or these signs shall faithfully follow them. He's talking about Jesus' intention was that these signs would follow us anywhere and everywhere that we went. It means, it literally means to go somewhere with someone on a trip. It means to be constantly and always close in proximity. He's telling us that the supernatural and the manifestations of the supernatural are locked up somewhere in the heavenly realm, but but for those that believe, these signs shall follow them. They should be right next to you. They should be following you around wherever you go. So when you leave this house, don't shut your sense of the supernatural off. Understand, this greater capacity walks with you wherever you go. 
You need to take it to your metron. Everybody wants a platform and a microphone. What we need is somebody that can walk into this world laced with the supernatural, being followed with signs. These signs shall follow them that believe. This is we need. We need. To, we, this is where we, we need some work. These signs shall follow them that believe. Okay, so so understanding the better translation here would be: These signs shall follow them who constantly believe. Not just when I got here and finally got through the first praise song, I started believing. Now because Sister Kim got up and exhorted us and gave us the prophetic word, now I'm believing. No, he said, these things shall follow them that constantly believe. Constantly believe. Constantly believe. You get up in the morning and all you can do is believe, 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 believe. You go to bed at night and all you can do is believe, believe, believe. You're walking through this old broken down world and all you can believe that God is a redeeming God and he can heal anything. He can set anything free. He's a God that is able. He is able. He is able. I believe, I believe, I believe. You see, you're not a believer because you walked down the aisle one Sunday and said, I believe. The question is, do you always believe? You know, the supernatural, the power of God, manifesting through the person of the Holy Spirit, is just like the kingdom of God. In that the kingdom of God, Pastor John Kilpatrick taught us the kingdom of God is voice activated, and it is. But it is also faith activated. Faith activate. I'm trying to teach us today. We want to see the kingdom of, because the kingdom of God, Paul said, is not only in words, but it is in power. So the kingdom of God, is activated through faith and expectation. I plead with you, church, because I believe that we're in a season where God is demanding us to really raise our level of expectation, to raise our level of believing that there really is more power than we have experienced. And you're looking at me like, of course there's more power. Okay, fine. There's more power. So the problem is, because this is a question that has haunted me for a couple of years now, when I look at this text and I look what is available to us and what has been made available to the church through faith and expectation, then the question I can't get away from is where is all the power? Because manifested power produces 
things we have not seen yet. Things that we long to see. Where's all the power? Because I think we're all in agreement, right? God is able. His power is uncontestable. It's, he stands alone. He, there's no one in his league. Yet he has formed this church organically through the Holy Spirit. And says now through Paul that all of this power is moving towards us. It's not just moving toward us so we can have it. It's moving toward us so it can be released. I, 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 I'm, I'm concerned that even our nation today and the nations of the world and a generation, wonder what is this, Gen X now? We always get confused. Z. X, Y, Z. And now they're starting over. Yes. I submit to you that it is imperative for this generation's church to experience the power of God at a level that produces results because it is the signs along with the preached word that is an apologetic to a generation. What are you talking about? They're not going to believe it just because we say it's so. They're going to believe it because we say it's so, and then they see it's so. So it's not just a hyperpower thing. Oh, we're Christians and we have power. It is about the demonstration of the personhood of God that we say has all power in heaven and earth. They've got to see somebody and see that power released some way. I was thinking about it this morning, actually, and I was thinking, well, it looks like we got two options. Option one is that God bypasses the church because apparently the church is struggling to get this power flowing. I, I, and I know there are pockets of the manifestation of God. I know he's moving. But I'm talking about the big picture here. Think bigger than just a few. Christian. Uh, trying to be careful. I'll move on. Maybe I'll come back to it. Christian celebrities, okay. By the way, it never says anywhere in the Bible that you're supposed to follow signs. But it does say they're supposed to follow you. Quit chasing them and get hooked up to the power until they start chasing you. 
Maybe that's part of the problem. We're too busy chasing them that God doesn't have somebody that knows him enough, that has the greater revelation of who he is, that is spending enough time with him, that he goes, that's a man, that's a woman, that I can release my all in power to. So option one, God just like bypasses the church and just starts moving. He can do that. He has more than enough power, more than enough capacity, more than enough brilliance. Believe me, that would be the easy option. Or he can send revival to his church and begin to raise up in the earth not a few, but many. Not those that have to display the power of God on platforms, but those that understand wherever you put your feet every day is where the power of God ought to be released around you. Well, if he went with option one, that would make our job a lot easier. But I don't think he's going to go to option one. Because I think he is fully committed to releasing his power and his fullness upon his church. Yes? Sometimes it's hard to swallow these things that we really look at it. and we Because, you know, we, we, just, we just want God to just... Show up and show off. And I want him to. And he's going to. But he's got to find these vessels of faith. We experience what we expect. Passive faith is not going to pull the power in. So I know this because uh, I know this many people have said this. God is not waiting on us. Oh, we're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. So when's it gonna happen? God's waiting on our faith. He's waiting on our expectation. Something must happen. Something must change. Something must shift. Right now, I believe the church is, is, at large is in a power outage. John G. Lake said this. He said, electricity is God's power in the natural realm. But the Holy Ghost is God's power in the spirit realm. Yet there are laws that govern the flow of power in both realms. Now, I know you are, are, are a very learned and well-educated crowd. But I must talk to you about electricity. It's something you never think about till you don't have it. Power plants produce electricity. Then this, and this is a simplified version, so don't get all technical on me. Not because you're simple, but because I am. 
power plants produce electricity. Then the electricity is moved to high voltage lines. And then electricity moves along these lines to what is called a distance source or from a distant source, which is the power plant. So it moves from this distant source to what is called a demand center. And then it moves from the demand center to a distribution center, which delivers the power to the consumer. That was the simplified version of that. That's how it works in the natural. How does it work in the spiritual? Well, God is the power plant, obviously. All power belongs to God. This high-powered voltage moves along lines. This, this, this movement turns into electricity. Electricity, Holy Spirit. Power plant generates power, starts moving, Holy Spirit moving a distant source, heaven. And then it moves from heaven to the demand center. The demand center is a praying, faith-filled church. It said, hey, Put some of that power over here. And then it moves from the faith, the faith-filled praying church to a disp- distribution center, which again is the church. It is the church, but it's the church in action. And it is from this point that power flows and is delivered to the consumer. Now, this is where the analogy breaks down. It's going to break down. Because they say the reason for a power outage is because there's not enough power. to fill the need of the consumer. The analogy breaks down because obviously God is never going to run out of power. So the power plant is still producing power. There's no less power available today than in the Acts Church. Throughout your Bible. There is not less power available. Although there are those that say that power is not moving like it used to because we don't need the power today because we have the word of God today. And when we got the whole word, we no longer need to see power manifesting through signs, miracles, and wonders. We don't need that anymore. So they say, so they do believe there's been a diminishing of power because of because we no longer need it. But I say we need the power of God moving today more than we've ever needed it. 
But it is this, it is, it is this demand center and this distribution center that determines how much power is going to be delivered to a region. See, I want you to understand this and I want you to see this. Because I don't want us walking out of here with a faulty mindset, especially if you have been given bad doctrine that diminishes God's available power to us today, that God does not still move signs, wonders, and miracles because we don't need them. Yes, we do need them. We needed them before because it confirmed that the word was true and that they had the signature of God on it. And the message that you're hearing is of God because it's being followed by power. It's been accompanied by power. We still need the same thing today church we still need the same thing we're not done with this thing yet the power at the age of God pouring out his spirit and manifesting in power is not over but what we need in the church today more than ever is a power search I continue on with this because a power surge, a surge is defined as a sudden powerful movement. A power surge happens when the flow of electricity is interrupted and then starts back. It's when the flow of power is interrupted. It can be interrupted by doubt. It can be interrupted by unbelief. It can be interrupted by our lack of spiritual uh, uh, passion and, 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 and pursuit. There's many things, sin and unbelief, these things will begin to get in the way and they, they will begin to interrupt the flow of power. And once power is interrupted, it needs something of greater power to kick it to get it to kick back, to get it to kick off, to get it to restart or reset or to reactivate the flow of power. In Acts 3-7, watch this. The Bible says Peter held out his right hand to a crippled man. And as he pulled the man to his feet, the, the, the Passion Translation says, suddenly power surged into the crippled man's feet and ankles. It said it surged. It surged. And now in Mark 5 verse 30, it said Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him for he felt the power that always surged around him had passed through him for someone to be healed. You see, Jesus and the disciples walked in a level of power and it was always surging around them. And see, what I want you to see here is that Jesus right here represents the body of Christ. Obviously, it's his body, but power was surging all around him until somebody reached out in faith and grabbed a hold on it and when when she did that power left the body see this is the problem we need to get enough power surging on us and around us until a broken crippled world touches us or we touch them and what is in us comes out and touches them because what comes through us is greater than what is in us Somebody say yes. A couple of years ago, I was meditating upon this text, and I felt the Holy Spirit said, tell Fresh Start Church, tell them to keep pressing, but start pulling. We were pressing into his presence. We're pressing into revival. 
And I felt the Lord say it strong. Keep pressing. Don't stop pressing. Don't stop pursuing his presence. Keep pressing, but start pulling. Pulling on what? His power. Pulling on his power. Pulling on his power. You see, when the power flow is low, that means it's time for revival. We need to pull on the power, church. We have been pressing for seven years now, and we are in deep, and we still got places to go, and we got deeper depths to go into, but we can't just stop with the pressing. There comes a time when you got to start pulling on the power. Can I get some help in here right now? The psalmist said, revive us again, O God. I know you will, and you will give us a fresh start. See, somewhere in the late 50s, mid to late 50s, the church began a quest to social acceptance. The Pentecostal church. See, in the beginnings, some of y'all don't know because you just came into to where you see today. But in the early days, the Pentecostal church were culturally unacceptable. But like the Baptist and the Methodists, who were all born in the fire, gradually and continually begin to go down in the fire. And the Pentecostal church rose from its humble beginnings, from the lower class of society. To achieve acceptance from mainstream denominationalism and society itself. The Pentecostal church began to grow again. Nominal Pentecostals at best, neo-Pentecostals, non-Pentecostals all began to come together under one roof. Everybody thought it was a wonderful thing, but what happened was the Pentecostal church Begin to lose its distinctive. Begin to, they, they, they were still pressing, but they stopped pulling. And I've said it many times in this building, and I'll say it again today. Acceptance never comes without a price. And that price is God's diminishing presence. And the point is, is where there is diminishing presence, there will be diminishing power. Because presence carries his power. Somebody needs to hear me right now. The church began to grow and it began to look good. But, but there were many still those old time Pentecostal people. Those old timers longing for the days of, 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 of the manifestation of the spirit. But at the same time there was an emerging of a new generation. That was reaching out for their own encounter with God. And they began to cry out. And this set the stage for what we know today is called the revival, the revival healing movement or the healing revival movement or the voice of healing. It, it, it launched people like um, William Branham, Oral Roberts and Jack Cole and A.A. Allen and there's just slew, a slew of them begin to rise up and they begin to hold tent meetings all over our nation. 
and they begin to see people come by the thousands, all denominations coming by the thousands. Why? Because they had crazy praise and worship, because they had crazy preachers, and they had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They were coming, why? To see the miracles, to see the signs, and to see the wonders. Unfortunately, what took place in that movement never translated back to the local church. Matter of fact, the local church, even the Pentecostal church, began to warn them, be careful where you're going. Be careful going to these tent meetings. Be careful what's taking a place there. And, 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 and so, so as that began to dwindle out, the church went back to normal. You see, almost all movements that exploded on the scene during that time, then they saw God's power. They became like museums of their past experiences. And most churches began to live in a diminishing energy. Because any revival and any spiritual enemy that came into the church was birthed out of those tent meetings. They would go there, experience God, come back to the local church. But they were, it was not fed. It was not encouraged. It, the fire was not stoked. And therefore, it had no. They, they were living in diminishing energy of previous revival meetings that were taking place. See, I'm talking about where has all the power gone? Duncan Campbell, the Scottish Revival, Stuart the Lewis Awakening. He said before revival came, he said, I was a clinging, I was clinging to the decay of threads of past experiences. I'm talking about where has all the power gone? The good news is that God still has power and is in a revival mode. Our Bible says in Psalm 68, 28, summon your power, God. Show us your strength. Our God, you have done it before. Do it again. It isn't just a random cry. It has biblical precedence. You see, what do you mean? See, biblical precedent, precedent is, is a principle that once was, that it still applies today. You see, biblical and historical precedent shows that God has always had the ability to make happen anything he wants to happen. And anything that he has done before, he can do again. We are sadly mistaken if we believe that the power of past revivals have ceased. We are badly mistaken if God, if you think God has already done his best shot and given his best show. You are sadly mistaken, my friend, because I hear a cry rising up. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. This, 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 this brings us then to, to the danger of textualism, another long word, textualism. A.W. Tozer says textualism is simply orthodoxy without Holy Spirit power. Textualism says I don't have to experience God's power I just have to believe in God's power. 
Textualism is dangerous. Because we can understand something and be okay with just understanding it. You can be okay with me getting up here and shouting out, power's coming. Here comes the power. All of it is coming toward us. And we can shout about that, clap about that, and be happy about that, and then leave and do nothing about that. That's textualism. And it's okay, right? Because I believe all of that. Yeah, it's good. You need to believe all of that. We need to believe the word of God. But we also don't need to settle until the truth of his word is working and manifesting in our life. Somebody shout yes. It's time to summon the God of power. It's not enough to believe he will. It's we must cry out until he does. Our Bible says in Psalm 62, 11, God has spoken once, twice, I have heard this. The power belongs to God. You do understand, don't you, that the authority of a kingdom is determined by the amount of power and the amount of power it possesses. In the natural realm, some kings serve other kings because they have less power. So the good news for us is that power belongs to God. All power originates from God. Even power that men function in came from God because he himself is power. This, this, this must be why Satan hates revival so much. Because revival brings us closer to God. And the closer we get to God, the more power, tangible power, that is within our reach. So obviously the enemy's at work trying to keep the church away from the power. The only way he can keep us away from the power is to keep us away from the presence. So this must be why he fights praise so much. This must be why he fights prayer so much. Because it is through prayer and praise that I experience presence. It must be why he hates we get louder. It must be why he hates we go higher. It must be why he brings in people to criticize and to talk about what goes on in this house because he understands if he can get us to stop our praise, stop our prayer, we're going to stop the presence. It's more than just singing songs loudly and passionately. It's more than praying with passion and intensity. It's that God responds to that kind of praise. God responds to that kind of prayer. It moves his presence into a place that is undeniable. His presence is what makes revival revival. You take his presence out, it means nothing.
Luke 5, 17. It talks about the fact that Jesus said, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Jesus' power was present to heal them. Presence contains power. If we're going to break this power outage, the church is going to have to be elevated in its praise. Elevated in its power. Because we have grown and we have matured and we have a ways to go yet. Because this thing isn't getting shallower, it's getting deeper. God is going to demand on us to keep pressing in our praise. To keep pressing in our prayer. And to start pulling on the fire, the power. Our Bible says that this is an exceeding great power. I'm almost done. Watch this. I've got to lay this down and then move on and we'll be done. We must understand that heaven's power structure is different than the power structures of the world. It's different. You see, an earthly king, his power comes from his subjects. No king has absolute power in himself. If soldiers refuse to fight, and law enforcement refuse to enforce the law, and people refuse to pay their taxes, then an earthly king's power is diminished overnight. God's power is complete in himself. He does not draw from the resources or his power or his authority from any other people. Power belongs to God. All power comes from God. All power is on loan from God. But here's the deal. He can delegate it. And when he delegates it, it does not diminish. If a natural king says, here is some of my authority and power, he loses some of his authority and power because who he just gave it to took it. God can delegate his power. And as soon as he takes a piece of power out and gives it to his church, what he just gave away comes back. He is power. He doesn't just have power. 
Are you seeing this? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Are you getting a hold of this? God's power is delegated, but it never diminishes. This is why he never loses power. This is why he never becomes less than. That's why he's never in danger of losing the kingdom. He has all power. All power is in him. Nobody comes close. It is an unchallenged power. It is, a, it is an unbeatable power. So this power, as I close, is not a nebulous thing. It is a dynamic energy. Please understand, because I believe the spiritual energy level is getting ready to rise in this house. I'm not talking about how hard we pray and how hard we worship and how hard we preach. I'm talking about a tangible energy and presence of God that we have not yet, he has not yet released into his church. He has, he's been saving it for such a time as this. He's been saving us for this moment where nothing else is going to show up but his power in display and it is going to be a power that's going to cause the church to stand up on his feet and declare that he is the God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I could ever ask or think according to the power. Stand up all over this building. Musicians come. This power, this power, the church has been on a journey. 2,000 years we've been on a journey into power. Acts 1.18 is where we began. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you shall receive power. Acts 4. It says that the Holy Spirit came upon them and they preached with great power as they gave witness to the resurrection. Ephesians 1.19 See, they were on a journey. You shall receive power. But they didn't stop. They kept pressing. They kept pulling. And then they were in great power. But they didn't stop. They kept pressing and they kept pulling. And then they were in exceeding great power, but they didn't stop. They kept pushing. They kept pulling. And then Hebrews 6 said so they stepped into a realm of another age and power from another age. He said they begin to taste power from another age. I believe if we put our faith out there and we keep pulling 
and we keep pressing and we keep pressing and we keep pulling that we're going to experience power from another age what's going to happen but there's been only a few down through history other than Jesus and the apostles and some mystics that stepped into the realm of power from another age there's been a revival remnant men and women of God who kept pressing who kept pulling who kept pressing and pulling until they stepped into the power of another age something this earth had never tasted before and when they did they saw things no one had ever seen before I had just come to announce to you this morning here comes the power here comes the power here comes the power God is getting ready to do what he has never done before he's been holding it back for such a time as this here comes the power thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast where we exist to influence a nation with revival you can order Pastor Kim's book Doorkeepers of Revival at doorkeepersofrevival.com and you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.